So I think you really have to ask yourself, like, how worth it is it to me to make this comment? How, how important is it? I'm told I never unfriended anyone for disagreeing with me. Like I was just drained and it took it out of me. And I just had to put my focus into me personally because I couldn't handle it anymore. How do I deal with this? And she was like, first of all, your mental health comes first. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Social Discord, episode 15, a guide through social discord and political burnout, holiday edition. I'm Dalen Turk. I'm Kara Tebow. And I'm Curtis Medina. All right, so today is going to be a little bit more of a discussion-based episode, a little bit more candid. We're going to be talking about just social discord within friends, family, social media, and how to deal with political burnout that I feel like a lot of people are going through both in America and abroad because it affects everybody, it seems like. But Kara, you're going to be the leader for today's episode, so why don't you take us into what we're going to be talking about today? Sounds good. Well, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention lately to what's going on in the world, but it is madness. Um, pretty much you have to be in a coma to not know that the world's <laughs> a little bit crazy right now, which maybe you want to be in a coma. I don't know. If you're in um, a coma, you might know it even better than anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, there's a ton of news out there, and there is a lot of opinions on that news. And the holidays are coming upon us. And even though most of us are not new to, you know, those uncomfortable conversations we have with some family members around the dinner table, this year is feeling particularly charged. So today, we kind of wanted to talk about how to navigate those tough conversations with people who might hold very different beliefs than you do and how to get through the holiday season without murdering your Uncle Bob. Because life's hard enough right now without oh, prison time. What about Bob? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that Uncle Bob. And, uh, always causing the trouble. Always, always Bob. And uh, tonight <laughs> was going to be my night to start my sobriety, but Curtis was a bad influence on me. So I, okay, fine. Day 37 of drinking. I cracked up with a box wine. Curtis, what are you drinking tonight? Um, yeah, I'm starting, starting the holidays early. Uh, I have an eggnog uh, mixture with some vodka some whipped cream and some uh, cinnamon on top. So, oh, man, you're getting ho, ho, bougie ho. tonight. <laughs> you know, and, and everyone knows you start your sobriety on January first. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you've got time, Kara. All right, so we're, before we get into some of our candid conversation, Curtis, you brought up some pretty interesting statistics that I actually never even would have thought of for today's episode. And for everyone who's listening, obviously the past like 10 episodes we've done have been, I mean, all of them really have been very research intensive. So we're kicking it back a little bit this episode to be a little bit more conversational. And the next episode, we're going to be diving back in into a pretty heavy topic that I'm very excited for. But Curtis, why don't you tell us a little bit about these stats that you found? Yeah, what we found is it affects everyone. Um, you know, so um, you know, we're recording this after um, Donald Trump lost the um, election. Um, so you know, the, the the theory might be that that Republicans just got a lot more stressed out, and Democrats, you know, are kind of like stress free. But that's actually not the case. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think that no matter who is in office, I think generally everyone's kind of stressed about politics and. The more divisive that we get in the country, which is sort of like the central issue of all of these episodes that we do, mm -hmm. the reason we called it social discord, you know, the more divided we get in this country, the more likely we're going to be stressed out about politics. Mm -hmm. So what the stats show is, um, it, this is from Pew, that more than 80% of Republicans and Democrats hold unfavorable views um, of members of the other party. Shocker. With 44 
Yeah, I know, right? And with uh, 44% of Democrats and 45% of Republicans holding very unfavorable views of each other. You know, so what you get there is is everyone feels like the victim basically mm-hmm. at all given times. I mean, whether your your party is in is, you know in control or if it's split or whatever, everyone kind of feels like they're protecting the country from the other person. And and it's not healthy no matter what, but when it actually becomes your family that you're talking to or a friend that you're talking to, it can it can get, you know, really personal really quickly and actually be less um, productive um, of a conversation where it should actually be more productive, uh, but actually is is kind of unhealthy for people. Um, what, another stat that we found, again, from Pew um, was that most Democrats and most Republicans are pri- are primarily friends with members of their own party. Uh, Two thirds of Democrats uh, and independents who lean Democratic say that a lot of their friends are also Democrats. Um, Another 18 percent say that some are Uh, among Republicans and independents who lean Republican. Fifty seven percent say that they have a lot of Republican friends. And it's similar um, with them that some are as well. So what you get is sort of a lot of these echo chambers. And and when you kind of leave that echo chamber to talk with your friends and family, um, especially like at the holidays, you kind of suddenly realize that you may not have heard all sides of the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember learning about these echo chambers, like in my political comms classes, and we had a there was a psychiatrist come in and talk, talk to us about this. And he said that people literally have an identity crisis when they're faced with a reality that they have not created. You know, we've subscribed to what we want to subscribe to. We've our, our friends and family all believe the same thing. And so we do have to have a little bit of, I think, grace and patience with people when they might like freak out when you present them with alternative facts, because there's like a physiological response that happens when your entire worldview is questioned because nobody else around you has bothered to question it. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Seven in 10 people now say that they find it stressful and frustrating to talk about politics on social media with people that they disagree Mm -hmm. with which is up from 59% back in 20, 2016. Oh, interesting. My, my yeah, thing so he- with that is, like, I, I love talking politics. I love, you know, just doing all that. But my, my issue, and I feel like a lot of people would agree with me on this, on where all of a sudden they're turned off by it, is because of the animosity that comes with it nowadays. And it, it has to do with that echo chamber of, well, this is, you know, and whether it's consciously known, subconsciously known, people get angry when what they know gets challenged and sometimes proven wrong. And so my issue nowadays is that it seems like the more and more I get involved in these types of conversations, it just turns into hostility, which is very well, because frustrating. Because there's all these alternate facts, you know, there's all these alternate versions of reality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to come to some sort of a of a middle ground of like accepting something in order to move on, you know, like, like you might be convinced the world is flat, but because the the majority of people believe and we can prove that it is round, you should probably go with that assumption just so you can get (laughs) on to the next point, you know, because if you can't get past those basic, basic, you know, facts as concrete as they can be for now, you're never going to move on. There was this video I was watching and it was this guy. He was uh, like a leading flat earther. And then this other guy, he was, you know, some just prestigious physicist or whatever. And they were 
um, on this show where basically it's this internet show and they get people from opposite spectrums and they s- give a fact and then they say whether they agree or disagree, you know, to what severity they disagree and agree and whatnot. And it, it was very interesting because the flat earther, you know, it was literally like, is the earth round? You know, simple questions like that. <laughs> and the flat earther would use quotes from famous physicists from history and famous scientists from history and of course, you know, this guy who's like a, a legit scientist is like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. But also that guy would be like, find what you're using his quote for completely absurd and ridiculous. And so it, I found it very interesting that they're able to use these exact same quotations, but use them as to support just the furthest different things that they could find. A lot of it has to do with context. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, recently somebody shared um, one of the um, conspiracy theories about the voting um, voting fraud stuff. Right. Um, and it was what they shared was a um, it was a screenshot that showed um, that a bunch of votes had come in and and it, it all of them went for Biden. None of them went for Donald Trump. There's a separate one that other people are talking about now, but this was the first one that came out. And, and they were sharing it like it was fact. And, and it took me like two seconds to look up, like, you know, what, what's going on here? Because obviously it didn't make any sense that Trump would get zero votes and Biden would get a bunch. Um, and it turned out, you know, when you, when you actually looked it up, that this was a screenshot taken from like a minute where this website had a glitch and they just didn't add the other votes in. It was wow. immediately uh-huh. corrected. I mean, if you were not just clicking refresh on this page, you would have never found it. Right. You know, but these people were using this screenshot as proof positive that they were right. And and you know, as soon as I shared it, you know, there was a bunch of people uh, that um, were Trumpers that were like, "Oh yeah, you know, that you're going to believe them," or, you know, all this stuff. And then there was one though that actually was, I think it was a person that posted it that that gave it a little thumbs up as like, "Okay, I guess that might not be true and like was able to move on from there, you mm-hmm. know, but it was so much about context. Like all I had to do was be like, wait a minute, you're putting up this screenshot. I don't think you took this screenshot. So where did the screenshot come from? You know, did, uh, you know, what website was it? You know, when was it, what race was it? Like it didn't, it had zero, it didn't even say what state it was for, <laughs> you know, I mean, they had so little information and yet with the context, it made so much more sense. And literally the amount of, of posts I've seen talking about, like, Oh, um, I just can't believe how many dead people voted and all comment is proof question mark. And for some reason, nobody responds to me when I say that. I'm like, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know if they just don't want to engage with me, but it is, it is really hard. And you guys are so right. Like if you want to find something to support what you believe, and I think both political sides are so guilty of this, you can go do a quick little Google search and find a link or find a screenshot. Um, but, you know, if you're going to put it up there, you should probably believe it enough to back it up if someone comes at you. That's mm-hmm. all I have and to say. Know, know where it's from. You know, know what it's talking about. It, if it, it seems too good to be true, probably is. That's true with your beliefs and their beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, that you always have to have that skepticism. That's one. If you follow me on Facebook, you know that whenever I post something about politics, about news or whatever, there there is an attached news article about the thing that I'm discussing, whether it's, you know, I kind of post the share the gamut of news sources just because I don't want to have my page filled with only CNN. Like I, I pretty frequently share Fox news articles, honestly, 
just to have that you know difference in source but what i hate and i'll say hate because i absolutely it is like the one thing on social media that i despise is when people use memes as news it is i absolutely hate it because it's just this square picture of like letters or whatever or a screenshot of some picture but there's no source no anything and people take that as just pure factual news and it it absolutely grinds my gears <laughs> i've i've had to talk to a lot of um very liberal leaning people about that as well um, really because, you know memes are yeah. are generally i don't know if you guys found this or not but in my world memes are generally more of a younger phenomenon mm-hmm. which are typically more democratic or more you know more leaning left um so I, I usually find that happening with them more um but yeah i mean uh during the black lives matter thing there was a friend of mine that i'm, I'm actually really good friends with him. he's a really really smart person but he loves riling people up and yeah. he was just posting i mean literally like 20 30 memes per day it was like every five minutes you know and and they were such assumptions there was no sources and I remember, like, I, I said, you know, you got to stop posting this stuff. Like, even the, even I believe a, a little bit of what you're posting, and even this pisses me off. You know, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, this is this is not going to help you or the Democratic Party or you know yeah. anybody. Um, and he defended it. He defended the misinformation just like a Trumper would. You know, I mean, just you know that basically the ends justified the means. He didn't really care if it was accurate. That it was more about um, you know the getting people riled up and angry than being factual and and it it made me lose a lot of respect for him that's tough you know and that actually kind of goes into the next point here so it says um voters are just um aren't just suffering from mental and emotional fatigue which i know i am (laughs) but um it says uh one in five reported losing sleep and more than 10 percent complained about non-specific health health issues and then one in five have said that a friendship had been damaged as a result of a political argument, which I know has become more and more and more common as people become more aggressive and prone to do things like you just said your friend did. What I hear about that a lot, and I, I think I believe I firmly agree with this, is that you are 100% entitled to your opinion. But if your opinion means oppressing somebody else or it expresses like a a very hateful view towards someone or it believes in taking someone's rights away, then that's when I have an issue with our friendship. That's kind of where I draw my line. What what do you have you guys like unfriended people over this kind of stuff or how do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely have. I feel bad because (laughs) No, I I feel bad because I was doing so well. And then twenty nineteen hit. (laughs) And it's just been kind of downhill since then. Um okay, okay, so I was so surprised. So I always call myself a moderate. And I'm convinced that that I am because I've actually unfriended about exactly the same. Uh, left-leaning people and right-leaning people. I was doing so good um, up until like 2019, early 2020, and then it kind of just all fell off. Um, up to that point, like I actually had had just a few friends that I had blocked. It was like I think three left-leaning people, three right-leaning people, um, and I was doing pretty good. I, even with all the different Trump supporters on my page commenting, I was really just trying to moderate and trying to listen to their views and stuff. And then as as the pandemic happened and Trump had more and more trouble getting his his way, 
Um, they kind of flew off the handle and it started being a little bit more on the right side. <laughs> um, I think I've balanced it out overall where it's almost exactly half and half. But it was really weird, though, because in 2016, when Trump won, I actually did not expect to block so many um, of my left-leaning friends. But, yeah. but they decided to kind of go on that similar tirade of just like, you know, like finger pointing and personal attacks versus like actual discussion of what they could have done that was wrong. Like, you know, what did what did the Democrats do to lose in 2016? They couldn't come to grips with that. And mm-hmm. the same thing is true now with Trump supporters. They can't come to grips with, you know, that Trump could have done anything wrong other than, um, you know, then the mail-in ballots are fixed or something like that. Like they don't mm-hmm. want to come to grips with anything like that. So, um, so well, yeah, even the, uh, literally... I've, I've been blocking left and right lately. <laughs> it's funny you say like the with the mail-in ballots because it's, it's literally, they, w- they would rather believe that this mass conspiracy of millions and millions and millions of fraudulent mail-in ballots were cast in several different states than just the simple fact of Trump told his supporters to not do mail-in voting. That and it's yeah. so but they would rather believe that because rule number 1 is don't tell your voters not to vote for you when they're ready to vote for you. That's stupid. Yeah, and so you know, maybe Trump is not a, you know, political genius. I mean, could that possibly be true? Also, this would be a first not only would it be like next level conspiracy if these all these states coordinated on this, but um I think if they were going to do this to all the ballots, they would have given themselves a couple more houses, like seats in the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think Mitch McConnell would have won re-election. Like, guys, if they were going to do this, they would have done it better. I promise you. The Republicans did awesome. Like, oh, that's, absolutely. That's like the irritating part, you know, it's like when Trump won, they still acted like the victim. You know, when, with Republicans retaining the Senate and actually gaining in the House, they still feel like the victim. Mm-hmm. They did awesome in this race. In the states that that um that embraced mail-in voting they did amazing like montana for example like in most uh counties in montana it was it was nearly all mail-in ballot uh, with you know only a few like hundred people Mm -hmm. (laughs) like voted you know in each county or whatever in person only at the last minute people and republicans won up and down the ticket like they they cleared house you know so so it was not some kind of conspiracy against them they did awesome in all the down races they just lost the big mm-hmm. one and you know maybe that's because trump kept telling them don't trust it don't vote there's also more um female republicans in congress now than there's ever been um which is i find right. actually very interesting also people need to come to grips with the fact this is my opinion but i think it's correct that uh <laughs> <laughs> i didn't go into the conversations uh during the holidays with that leading with that i'll work on that line but um uh that joe biden was conservative enough for Republican voters to vote yep. for him. They were just like, oh, I'm so sick and tired of like this crap everywhere. I know a lot of Republicans that did that. So they still voted Republican up and down the ticket for their local officials or, you know, for their state representatives. But Biden was just conservative enough for them that they felt like, you know, what, we'll get the House or we'll get as much of the House, we'll get as much of the Senate as we can. And we'll put him in office. So, you know, I can say and maybe we need the boring, the more, you know, the boring candidate for once. Maybe people are just tired of the division. I mean, that's living in a reality show. That's kind of what happened with Jimmy Carter. You know, like it had been just these turbulent presidencies over and over and over with all these events and, you know, corruption to so much happening. And I mean, literally assassinations. And so America was like, you know what? We're going to like the good old 
just good-hearted Jimmy Carter, and they did, and he didn't really do a whole lot in his presidency. He's, I think, by far been the most um, like successful post-presidency of all the presidents in terms of just public service. Um, but it, that's exactly what happened when Jimmy Carter was elected: is they needed someone who would kind of calm things down and be a little bit of a refreshment, kind of like what we're doing with this episode, honestly. <laughs> yeah, actually, we're getting so off track. So let's reel it back in. Curtis, I need to hear about your journey with blocking and unfriending people on Facebook. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, okay. So, so uh, probably about two months, maybe a little less before the 2020 election, um, I finally put up a post that just said, if you are a Trump supporter and you can't have a discussion with me about this like, and keep it civil, I'm going to unfriend you. And so I basically laid out some rules. I said, you must be civil. You cannot go on your own 10-point tirade that has absolutely nothing backing it up. I mean, you know, things like that. Like I would post something about um, – I don't know. Uh, it would be it would be something I would think would was actually fairly relaxed. Like it would you know it'd be like uh, uh, scientists say climate change are you know is, is getting worse under Donald Trump or something like that. And instead of actually talking about climate change, they would be like, "Well, at least it's not Hillary with her emails, and at least it's not mm-hmm. you know Bernie with his socialism, and you're trying to ruin the country." And blah, 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 blah. and 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 what I realized was. They were using my platform, my Facebook posts, to further their own agenda. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, they did not even appear to have read the article that I posted or discuss what I was wanting to discuss. You know, like a big part of of moving forward is like, I want to talk about this. This is my Facebook post. This is what I want to talk about. It's okay if you disagree with it. I'm told I never unfriended anyone for disagreeing with me. Mm-mm. I only unfriended people for either personal attacks or if they could not keep to the subject because they always wanted to talk about 10 other things. Um, and so finally I, I made that post. I said, this is your warning. Unfriend me. If you want to, I'm going to unfriend you. If, if anyone does this again and 24 hours later, first person did it 48 hours later. Second person did it. I was, I, I, I think I, the, the next post I put up was, was kind of like, like, you know, who's next? <laughs> Who wants to be unfriended next? Who's Major coming next? at me? <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> so, I mean, and fine, you know, and people criticize me though, like on both sides of the, of, of the spectrum, like, they criticize me for, you know, for censoring and for, and for, you know, for not being open to other people. And they were like, You're, this is working right into what the media wants you to do and, and all this stuff. But, but what I realized was I wasn't changing these people's opinions. They were not having a discussion with me. They were mm-hmm. taking over my Facebook posts. And, and I just had enough. I realized that, that my stress was not because the world was on fire, which it kind of is right now, um, but it was not because of that. It was because every time I posted something, there were these two or three like hawks that would, that would attack it and not even have that, the, the respect to have the discussion with me about it. Mm-hmm. I've, had, you know, so, yeah. I've had people like that too. There's one specifically, and she... Um, 
her and I have always had very good discussions in the past. Like I've always really enjoyed, and we have very opposite views on a lot of things. Um, but like, she's someone who's literally, she has like three different accounts under different names because all of her Facebooks keep getting like blocked by Facebook because she po- <laughs> like she, her, like she comments such contradictory stuff, which I'm like, okay, like catch on here, but she would, you know, just call it censorship. But it, it wasn't until the past, like, six months where all of a sudden she started going like at me personally and every time she would comment it it would always be that you know i i apparently don't like i can't have you know i like i don't know how to critically think and like look at things analytically and everything i post is just out of emotion and you know isn't valid and all this i'm like but but then she'll comment her things and i'm like so how how are you how is it that yours is valid and you know analytical and critically thought but my, like mine's emotional just because it doesn't align with you um and i've had i it really hasn't been until the past like 6 months or so that people have been kind of coming at me but i've i've only ever blocked i think one person um and actually that was a family member you're a saint um, yeah. um and, I'm gonna drink to that. Yeah. Um, and that was he literally like it, it was an uncle of mine literally called me a, a Nazi um because yeah. I support Democrats and all this stuff and he just kept going on about how I'm you know this Nazi and I was like nah I'm, like I'm done with that I'm gonna do this. But the Nazis support Republicans. I, I, that's the irony. Republicans don't support Nazis, but Nazis support Republicans. <laughs> Kara, what's been your experience on social media with this kind of stuff? So I am not as brave as y'all are on Facebook. <laughs> in mind, I grew up Mormon. So a lot of mm. my my Facebook friends are longtime family friends or people that like I babysit for. And I'm like, oh, God, I need the money. Like, I don't want them to not let me babysit because they find out I don't like Trump. So I... Um, I tend to not put anything very political on my Facebook unless I feel like it's like very universal. Like, right. Hey, wear a mask because if you don't, you're selfish. Like to me, that's not right or left. You know, that's just like, do you know how to read a statistic? Um, which some people don't, but my Twitter, Oh, all <laughs> bets are off. It, it, you can't find it under my real name, but like, that's where I have so much fun. Oh my guys. God arguing my boyfriend and i both like well like since screenshots like look at this argument i got and he's like look at the one i got into and it's like our hobby like it is our hobby arguing people on twitter because it's because nobody knows me i can like make my point you know what i mean and then i can get like seven thousand likes on it which like really boosts my ego (laughs) so that's my that's my thing you're totally admitting to trolling right now i literally though (laughs) troll like Sometimes on Instagram, occasionally I'll post a little comment here and there, but Twitter is where it goes down. On Facebook, I'm like, have a good day, everyone. Like, happy weather. And on Twitter, I'm like, you idiot. Here's the link. <laughs> so aside from just, aside from just getting into these arguments and, you know, proving your point correct and, you know, just having these arguments and discussions as we want, what, what are y'all's tips on talking with friends and family on social media who have opposing views because not everything needs to be this big argument not everything needs to be where the outcome is someone being deleted or someone's comments being deleted so when you get into these debates how do you deal with them i think what you just said dalen not everything needs to be an argument i think you got to check yourself real fast of like is it worth it is it worth 
my potential relationship with this family member or friend or something like that, is anything going to change? Often, like, I, I would like a statistic on how often somebody like gets into a Facebook conversation and like their mind actually changes. Um, so I think you really have to ask yourself, like, how worth it is it to me to make this comment? How, how important is it for me to make this comment? Like, am I defending somebody else? Am I defending a point that I, I feel like is very, should be universal? Um, and then I think go from there. I mean, I've been really surprised over the last four years what exactly is controversial. Like, like most of the time I'm not trying to be controversial. Um, so a lot of times I feel more like they're picking on me versus the other way around. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just a perspective thing, you know, I mean, from, to them, something that I'm saying is really triggering them. And, and so I try to be really understanding of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, something I realized in the last year is that for all the, the posting on Facebook I've done on politics, I think very little of it has made much of a difference in anyone's life. Oh, absolutely. Um, Same for me. Yeah. I mean, I, it's humbling, but I mean, but you know, it Facebook really isn't the best place to talk about politics. It no. never has been. It never really will be. Um, something I, I learned when I was doing uh, phone banking um, was they, they tell you don't disagree with someone that you're that you call like if you call someone you say vote for this person they say oh that person sucks you just have to say okay well thank you and and you know not get into a debate with them right because statistically what people have found is that disagreeing with someone actually tends to cement them in their view more than if you just had not said anything at all um so you actually can do more harm than good by doing that well, i feel like that has a lot to do with people getting defensive as well yeah absolutely yeah i mean it, it's so okay so it, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna take an unpopular stance here mm. um, <laughs> um in that i i don't think it's right to let bygones be bygones i don't think it's right to mm -hmm. just sort of like agree to disagree like there's a, I think there's a Simpson joke that he says, let's agree to disagree. And the other person says, I don't agree to that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think there, I, I don't think that is the goal because I think actually what happens is you get disconnected from your yeah. community and your family just as much by not talking to them as yelling something at them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, so there's gotta be some kind of middle ground. Um, I, uh, I think it's important to stand up for what you believe in. I don't think it's important to belittle anyone for what they believe in. You know, to respect someone's opinion is great, you know, but that, but they also have to respect that you disagree with them. And I think in a lot of places, um, people are unaware that their opinion is unpopular. Like I've been made very aware that my opinions on say Bernie Sanders, um, are unpopular with the democratic party in the last year or so like that, mm -hmm. but that has helped me, um, understand the things that I, it, it cemented some things that I, that I really believe in, but it actually helped me understand why someone even on the democratic side would be, you know, against some of those things and actually helped me inform my opinion better. Um, so, you know, there, a lot of times, like, like, for example, with, with this last election, um, I was talking to people about putting signs, um, in their front yard. And it really surprised me how few people were willing to put a sign for any kind of political stance in their front yard. Um, even though they were really passionately for that person or that thing, 
Um, and because and their their fear of losing friends and family um, prevented them from actually expressing and discussing those issues that would I think eventually help them out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So so I do not agree with the general you know just go to the family table and suck it up kind of thing. I don't agree with that at all. But you have to do it in at the appropriate time. Probably not at the family table, but probably after. <laughs> um, All right, can I have um, some peas? Yeah. And also, um, your opinion's wrong. Um. And and respectfully, you know, I mean, like my uncle came over um, recently and was hanging out with the family and everything, and and he's an avid Trumper, um, and and we knew each other's you know, general like leanings already, and it was it was bound to come out like, and so like. 20 minutes into, uh, you know, hanging out with them, uh, when he asked me, you know, how's it going? I was like, well, not so great. Like the economy is kind of, kind of going to crap right now. And it was like trigger, you know, immediate, like we had to talk about it and we had to get it out of the way. We talked for about a half hour, you know, disagreed on some stuff, discussed some stuff, but we got over it Mm -hmm. and getting over it, I think is much more healthy than completely ignoring it. Have you guys ever had like, I'm asking this because I can think of the very specific multiple instances of experiences, but like a glowout at like a holiday dinner with your family where people just have not talked since kind of deal. Have you guys kind of experienced that? So I have not specifically within the scenario of like a holiday dinner and it's because my family. And so, so I'm the only one in my family with a like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I have a journalism degree. I have um, a lot of I've studied a lot of years of history. Um, and so I've I've been studying social studies for the past, you know, 10 years, whatever. But no one in, else in my family has. So I'm very aware and open and conscious of just just social studies, just everything. Right. And so I'm the only one who's really vocal and partakes in that. And so my entire family's ideology, at least my um, like immediate family, basically, is just leave it be. Don't talk about it. Like everyone has their opinions, no matter what, just leave it be. Like don't challenge them. And right now between myself and or I guess myself and Shelby, my wife and our family, we have this discord that's happening because the leave it be and agree to disagree ideology just doesn't work. Um, and, you know, we there was this, that's my dad kind of lives by that is agree to disagree. And Kara, I want to know your thoughts on this, actually, because this is what Shelby goes by is, um, and it goes into my note here of saying, what's a political topic and what's a human rights topic? And so we can, would- we can disagree about you know we can disagree about where taxes go we can disagree about infrastructure and transportation but or we can agree to disagree about those things but we can't agree to disagree about gay rights and you know social justice because those are human rights topics those aren't political topics so what's your take on that well, it's funny because I was going to say, I'm, I definitely do have a little bit of a different opinion on this. And I'll tell you why. So about four Thanksgivings ago, I think, mm-hmm. we had my whole family together. We have a very, very big family. Growing up, we were all rather close. But a lot of my family has left the Mormon church. A lot of them are still pretty Republican. Right. For the most part, actually, when any of my family left the Mormon church, they became very liberal. 
um, which I'm not sure, you know, if that's the case for everyone, but that's been the case for my family. And about four Thanksgivings ago, we were all together. You know, there was like between cousins and aunts and uncles, like, like 30 of us. And long story short, there was just this massive blowout over political beliefs, religious beliefs, someone drinking wine, like stupid stuff, you know, whatever. But it was actually so traumatic to me because half of my family still does not speak. This is people I grew up with, my cousins, one of my cousins and I didn't speak for like four years. And so the, the, the legitimate trauma that that caused me knowing that my family is capable of this after like one big blowout, I think has made it so that to me, it's not, it's just not worth it. Like that mm-hmm. I'm like just starting to get relationships back with some of those family members. And it was very painful. And I had to approach it from a place too of, I don't want to use the word brainwashing, but depending on where someone comes from, they're inheriting generational beliefs. They're inheriting, you know, religious beliefs that are very deep seated. And they like, they truly believe that sometimes, and sometimes they believe it to the point of like salvation or not, you know what I mean? And so I just, uh, for myself, I had to realize like, I cannot go through what my family went through four years ago mm-hmm. and still used to go through. So I have to like keep it surface level, surface levels where it's at. Um, because I also choose to believe that I know my family enough to know that they have good hearts. And even if they might be supporting specific political ideals, I think I just like to pretend to be naive and be like, you know what, if they like actually understood, I think that they would believe differently because I know that they have good hearts. So I know that's a bit of a different opinion, but I do Mm -hmm. think, man, it's tough to lose family members Mm -hmm. because of freaking fight at Thanksgiving. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know which one's worth it or Mm -hmm. not, but I think if anyone was ever sitting in front of me coming at like, and this is how with my stepdad, who I love so much coming at me about like, well, this group of people is so stupid because they believe these things. That's where I have to draw the line of like, no, actually, we're not going to call a group of people who are oppressed stupid because they're tired of being oppressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, know, so. Ignorance is is at the root of ignorance. so much of it for me. And I agree. It, oh, it's oh, it's tough. It's ignorance is a tough thing for me to get over when people are being willfully ignorant. Yeah, I guess it's like how much do you hold them accountable for their ignorance depending on like how much has been like like just shoved into them through generations. But then also you got to be a big boy or a big girl and go do your research, you know? Mm -hmm. There, You know, there's that cliche you hear a lot. um, And I just actually heard it in a a, a book that I was listening to um, that is there's there's more that bring that brings us together than separates us. Right. Um, and And I really like that because because it basically it's saying that like you don't have to agree on some of these issues to find things to agree over, you know? So, so, I mean, in a way it can be sort of like, let's just, you know, not talk about it and kind of ignoring the bigger issues to, or to, you know, or I guess maybe you could even say the smaller issues uh, to, you know, to, to prioritize something that's more important, meaning your family or relationships. That's true. Um, But at the same time, it's also kind of like just realizing or, assuming that because you know your friends and family have a big heart and because you you know more about them than a lot of other you know say a stranger would or just somebody meeting them now would you've grown up with them that you know that that there is a lot to like there. there's not a lot to love there and that that's worth defending you know so so finding those issues that you can agree on um isn't necessarily a bad thing to do, especially nowadays where you might only talk to someone once a year, you know, we're so isolated Mm -hmm. in general, um, that it's, 
it, it, it you know, I guess spending that time together is important. Uh, it's important to, to talk about what matters to you. And, and this book that I just was listening to, it's called Them by uh, Ben Sassy or Sassy. I don't know. How right. To yeah. 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 Um, but um, but yeah, he's a, he's a, a Republican uh, from Nebraska, and uh, I think he would be considered a moderate. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I mean, he's moderate compared to Donald Trump, I guess. He he just came out um, recently. He was on a town hall like phone call and basically just blasted Trump. And he was um, probably the most um, outspoken a Republican has been against donald trump and of course donald trump called him like little ben sass or whatever on twitter um but yeah he's he's definitely a, a moderate republican yeah and, and but i i you know I, when i started reading the book i actually didn't i didn't pick it up because of that i had no idea who he was i just liked like the general discussion about like finding a moderate place in america and like like yeah. you know not not thinking of them as the enemy but like but you know as people with different opinions and like for me the reason that my last straw with donald trump my my 50th last straw with donald (laughs) trump was was when he said you know we're not going to help these democratic states we're not going to help these blue states and right then i mean i wanted to set stuff on fire i was so angry that like a president i don't care what you believe what would say these states are more important than these states i mean you know i'm sure other ones have thought it but he actually said it and, you know, shame on him for saying that shame on him for believing that. And I realized there was just no possible unity, um, even pretend, even the pretense of unity with Donald Trump. And after that, I was just like, you know, I can't, I can't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. But with this, but with the, what this part in this book really stood out to me though, was, uh, he was talking about that, that been, been, what's his name how do you say it saucy I, I think it's like sassy i don't know sass it's okay it's s-a-s-s-e yeah sass okay um with ben sass he was talking about that he was um he had a a water table at a marathon where he was just giving people water so they would you know keep being right. able to run and i i think it i think it was like officially said that it was him and you know it was a little bit of like a campaign like yeah. boost as well but anyway, but he, but he said he he was he was about to give these people water, and these I think they were Democrats or something across the way basically started pointing at him and yelling, "It's poisoned! It's poisoned! Don't drink that water!" God, I hate that. And, yeah, and 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 he's and he said like it just really like struck him like like how divided we are that like they couldn't even like you know let let him give water to people without trying to like make him villainous, you know, yeah. and like, and this, how, how divided we have become and how sort of nasty the politics have become. Um, so, so, you know, the idea of Thanksgiving and the idea of like coming together at the holidays with family is, is sort of like get together. You don't call each other names. You don't, you don't point fingers, but you can talk about things that you both, um, believe in and that you both that you both can find mutual ground with and that's okay are you guys ready for the newest west wing reference oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
So it just aren't you done with that show yet? <laughs> no, I'm not officially done because I haven't watched the uh, the reunion episode that they did recently. Um, so I get to make one more reference. Um, but it just reminded me of an episode where it's this uh, uh, Republican uh, senator who's basically holding out and won't sign this bill, whatever. And so finally, he and President Bartlett meet up in this room. And they're both just kind of staring at each other across the table. And he kind of goes, um, you know, he's like, I know I'm a, you know, redneck, white trash, you know, son of a bitch. And Bartlett goes, and I know I'm an elitist, pompous asshole or whatever. And they're like, all right, let's get to work. And then they start <laughs> working on this bill together. And I'm just like, okay, like, of course, that's theatrical and they're trying to make fun of it or whatever. But I think it goes to show of one recognizing your image of yourself that other people see, like how other people perceive you being able to move past that without being defensive and without pushing that on to someone else and just working together regardless of all of that. Like, because you both want what's best for the country. You both you want, know, you, like you, it's the same, you know, Ben Sass, everyone's there to support the marathon runners. Everyone's there to, you know, watch them achieve this goal. And he's there doing, you know, even extra by serving them water, regardless of him having it as a campaign stunt. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no reason to ridicule and demonize him for that and create this image that he's poisoning these runners, you know, like there's just like, yeah, he's a Republican, but he's still working for the common good in that situation of supporting the runners. Why demonize him just because he's a Republican? And he later discussed in the book that he and a Democratic, I think, senator, um, I, well, I'll just say congressman because I don't remember who it was, um, went to um, the Middle East and and he realized how much they had in common about their vision for how America, you know, could continue being like the best example in the world. Mm-hmm. And there was this part where it was really cool. It kind of all came around full circle where he was it was in this country um, kind of known for not having like the necessarily the best, the freshest water, the best water, you know, and all that. And, and, n- and not only that, but like even, you know, the possibility of somebody giving you something that's poisoned, like for real. Um, and this person offered both of them some tea. And he said that he and the Democrat looked at each other, like, kind of like, you're going to drink it. Are you going to drink? Like, are we going to, are we going to trust this person that's giving us this, you know, this goodwill, and they did, and they drank it, and it was fine. You know, that's 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 sort of the that's it, it's the trusting in your fellow human that was the message there, and mm-hmm. it, and and it, just, it was cool because it came all like full circle from that story um, that he started off with about that marathon. Um, a, I did want oh. to add one thing really quick yes, and before we ahead. move on. I I still do abide by this and love the idea of like keep it surface level if you can remember like the common good but i did want to add an addendum that i recognize that does come from a huge place of privilege Mm -hmm. i have biracial cousins and um they feel very they like legitimately feel unsafe sometimes around our trump supporting family members and that was a huge issue so i do want to make sure we mention that um while i think we should strive you know to find the common ground as much as possible it's it's a huge privilege for me to be like, just talk about like the bachelorette instead of like arguing. <laughs> because, like, I, I didn't mean necessarily the bachelorette. I just meant like, you know, no, talk about like know. the good parts of America. Like, you mean talk about how Claire Crawley is the worst and she left with Dale, who sucks? 
we can agree with that across the aisle. But I totally recognize like me being able to keep those things surface level at, at a family dinner is like a huge privilege mm-hmm. compared to like maybe my biracial cousins who are right. like, if you like support policies that like literally come after me. So just want to get that out there because I think I think we all understand that. And I think that's something we need to be sensitive about as well. Yeah. Well, Kara, coming from a person that's, that's, that, you know, has had to deal with being gay and everything. Right. Too, like, like, like I, I don't like the idea of, of being secretive about yourself. I think it actually mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense to be respectful, but out there and like, you know, basically having to sort of be prideful about who you are and, and being open about that. And generally, even with people who, I talk to that don't necessarily agree with that lifestyle, generally being open about it and showing them a good example of somebody who is something that they may not like usually makes a bigger difference than completely ignoring it. There's a romantic, a holiday Christmas romantic comedy coming out with Kristen Stewart and somebody yes. else. Dan, uh, Dan, it's not, yeah, Dan Levy. Yes, I'm there. I'm watching it. Let me let me know what y'all's perspectives are on this, because this was my kind of immediate thought with it. Um, I guess my immediate thought is, okay, it's another generic. But the whole plot of the movie basically is that Kristen Stewart is in a relationship with another woman and she is taking her home for Christmas. Um, The other ones, the other woman is taking Kristen Stewart home for Christmas, but her parents don't know that she is gay. And so she's like, oh, well, then what am I? And she's introduced as her orphan friend or whatever. Her orphan friend? Her, yeah, literally her orphan friend. Um, happiest season, by the way. It's not going to be yes. on Hulu. Okay. And so I guess my thought was kind of what you just said, Curtis, is, you know, you shouldn't have to hide, like, who you are, hide, you know, whatever, to avoid, uh, you know, family issues. And to me, it seems like this movie is kind of going against the and I'm, I'm sure at the end everyone's oh well of course we accept you and we love you whatever but to me it's kind of perpetuating this idea of having to hide yourself so that you don't upset the family and of course that's coming from a cis straight man or you know white man like so what you know what are y'all's perspectives on that because i don't know if i'm super off on that or what it's, well, it's just like the sign thing we were talking about, you know, like there is nothing rude about putting up a sign that says you support something. Um, that's your right. It's your you know, um, unless you unless it's like a sign that says you support Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be for it. I mean, but at the same time, like I wouldn't tell them to bring it, take it down. I would just kind of would shake my head and be like, wow. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, I mean, you have to defend people who are who are different than you that you disagree with that you don't like you know i mean that's that's how you defend your own rights um i don't know i know a lot of a lot of people and this is why i piss off people on the left because like everyone on the left that just heard that is like you know but they're nazis like yeah but i mean but if you censor them then they get to censor you and that's not how Mm. america works you know you have to convince people you're right and by saying by by you know by being who you are even when it's not the popular opinion in the room um, say as a gay person, like you represent something in their mind that has to be dealt with. Right. And, and so like, if you don't represent that thing and they don't have to deal with it, then it never gets better. And in my personal belief, eventually when people deal with things, 
people come together, they drop things like Nazism and stuff like that. You know, they drop these things that are, that are negative and they actually have a greater respect for each other. But if you completely ignore it and you completely censor it, um, no matter if it's, you know, one extreme like Nazism or another extreme, like, you know, or, or, you know, meaning like something very unacceptable or something very acceptable, like being gay or something like that, like, like whether, no matter what it is, if you deal with it, I think it's more healthy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. hundred percent. Also, I had a, <laughs> I had a bullet here with like how to like navigate these different beliefs and stuff like that. And my bullet was just live your best life, sneak the wine in the bathroom and enjoy some time with your rational aunt or your fun cousin. <laughs> like, <laughs> because like, I mean, day, if people are coming at you where they believe all these ridiculous things, like you're there for X amount of hours for the family dinner. Just go sit in the corner of your glass of wine and live your best life if you need to. Really, truly. One thing that there's I'm... another movie coming out where the the salad dressing um, gets spiked with marijuana. Oh my god! At, 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 like Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner or Christmas dinner or something. Uh, so I'm really excited to see that one. That's amazing <laughs> because that might be the best way to like to like get some camaraderie with mm-hmm. people you disagree with is to get high together. Oh hi. <laughs> what what is y'all's advice so so like one thing i'm struggling with now is and i think a lot of people are is okay you have the political disagreement the you know disagreement over opinions or whatever but then the other person did have personal attacks and did you know say just mean things and they're unwilling to apologize you know at that point like, is it wrong for you to be like, okay, I'm, I'm done for a while? No, I think I've talked to my therapist about this because someone that I love dearly, dearly, dearly in my family is like a very hardcore Trump supporter. And it's like hard for me to reconcile the person that I know they are, which is like so loving and compassionate with like these policies. And I like talked to my therapist. I'm like, this is ruining our relationship. Like I, mm-hmm. they, I don't think they know this actually, which isn't fair to them, but I'm like, how do I, how do I, deal with this. And she was like, first of all, your mental health comes first. Like your peace is worth so much. Your peace is worth a lot. And so your peace can be different things. So your peace can be not talking to that person. And that's what you decide. Your peace can be deciding to put that behind you. Like, I think you just have to figure out what you Mm -hmm. need to function. So that might look like letting it go, or that might look like engaging with them. But then she was also just like, sometimes when you know, you're not going to get anyone those arguments, like, you can just be as ridiculous back. Like there's, um, she told me that there's like a, and when they talk about like dealing with conspiracy theorists, uh, basically you're supposed to just one up them. So if someone's <laughs> like, you know, Oh, like, I don't believe Neil Armstrong walked on the moon or whatever. Then you just, well, you believe in the moon. Like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but they're like, Oh, okay. You can just be like, yeah, that's crazy. Can you believe X, Y, Z? And you know, so, that's one coping mechanism. <laughs> I think it's okay to, to, to put something away from you that's harming you. Um, you know, if, if their intention is to, to make fun of you or to just, you know, just belittle you, um, it's, it's perfectly okay to be like, you need a timeout or I need a timeout from you. Um, but, you know, you don't get a, another warning. I definitely have some people in my life that are on timeouts right now with me. Um, you know, so there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess it kind of depends on what your final intention is, right? It, you know, is your final, is your most important thing, keeping that friendship, 
you know, uh, if that's the case, then yeah, you know, you probably should find some other way to talk and some other way to apologize and be like, you know what, you really hurt my feelings. Like you were really unfair. But if your intention, you know, is basically just to keep talking politics and they won't listen to you and they're belittling you and all this different stuff, like screw them, block them. You don't <laughs> yeah. need that, that negativity in your life. It, it's crazy because the like the further we go with all of this, it makes me think of the Black Mirror episode where you can literally like block someone in real life, not see them at all. And so like yeah. it's literally like you have like these chips in your eyes or whatever. And if like you need to block somebody and I think in the show, they do it as like a restraining order of sorts or whatever. But literally like in your vision, that person in real life is basically just like like static you know like snow on a television and then their voice is basically like parents from the peanuts you know just (laughs) and i'm like is that what we're going to now and i'm sure that's what a lot of conspiracy theorists think with the whole idea of you know democratic censorship is like what we're going to which i desperately hope we're not (laughs) i mean there's a difference between like censorship and just trying to get some kind of order what (laughs) i guess something's just patently wrong and it's it's not it's there are opinions and then there's facts and if something's patently incorrect i don't think that that's censorship Mm -hmm. for someone like to stop someone from spreading dangerous incorrect information especially especially on official like you know something official like you know it's one thing to say it you know yourself but if you're the president you can't just say something on twitter as a fact like that's not right um you're not yourself you're a official saying that and you can't do that um you know the other thing that trump said when he was um doing the first debate or whatever he was so angry when the second debate was they could mute them or they could turn their volume down um you know he called it censorship and but that was not censorship that was you, if you can't even let the other person talk, you're actually censoring them. Yeah. But he called yeah. himself censorship. <laughs> I was so mad that I actually loved that whole thing. I loved that they could mute them. Mm-hmm. Like if if and anybody it, wants, it a, did it all anyway. If anyone wants yeah. a true example of what censorship is, look at North Korea. Look at China. You know, look at mm-hmm. Venezuela. Like this is where censorship is a reality. Like America just does not have that. Yeah. No, no. not at all. <laughs> but Kara, it kind of brings us to our next point, you know, talking about these conversations and what we need to do within them. Um, your question here, what is our responsibility in these dialogues and when do we need to focus on self-care? And what's your take on that? Ugh, I think there's two parts to this that I believe the first is something that we talked a lot about, at least I know in my circles, um, particularly during the height of the black lives matter movement, which by the way, not over black lives still matter. We still have to keep talking about it. Um, but there is, I feel there's a certain weight and responsibility, um, on white people specifically to like behind those closed doors, those conversations really matter. Like when we're with our friends and family and, you know, there's disagreements of, of someone's like race and how that makes them a person or not. Um, that's when I think white people, we need to stand up and like say something. Those conversations matter. Mm-hmm. Well, I think everybody, but, I mean, it's not, I, I saw something like, yeah, like their white privilege is definitely a thing, but it's kind of the idea also that everyone can be racist and it's everyone's responsibility to basically shoot that down. 
Yeah, I just think like behind closed doors, those quiet conversations, they do matter. For sure. But I think aside from like some of those like very heavy, important like humanity topics, I also have to be reminded a lot, like in my therapy sessions, that the weight (laughs) of the world does not rest on me. Because I remember my therapist one time, I was like, I am distressed. I don't know how to fix all this. I cannot handle all that's going on in the world. And she goes, no offense, but like, don't flatter yourself into thinking that you're going to fix all of this. I was like, oh, you're so right. So like, it's okay. We can't fix it all. Have the really important conversations when it super matters. But then also like pick up, my big thing is like pick up the fiction book. I read so mm-hmm. much nonfiction that makes me so depressed. I got some like fanfic the other day of uh, basically William and Kate, um, you know, royal wedding that I was like, this is so fun and like brainless. I'm like, take the bath, have the wine, but you cannot fix it all. So it's not worth you spiraling over. Mm-hmm. And also turn off the news sometimes. And I'm saying that to myself as someone who has the news on 24-7. Curtis, I see you shaking your head. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. I, I'm always telling people, you know, you can, you have to set a limit to what, how much news you can take in a day and then stop. You know, I, I might, like, I'm fairly informed about what's going on. And I only spend on average, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes a day looking at news. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just, I, I look at it, I get the kind of the gist of it. If there's something I really care about, I'll look more into it. And then I turn it off. I don't want it around me 24 seven, but there are people that I know you know, CNN is on 24 hours a day and that is not healthy for you because Absolutely they, not. their whole model is getting you to watch more or click more or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and that's true with everybody. I'm not just picking on CNN, you know, but, uh, you have to understand that news is their business. It's, they're not just informing you, um, uh, you know, so, and get yourself the idea of what's going on and let it go. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I, I think it's, been a lot worse and i think that's why we've been on such a downhill roller coaster since march because one you know everyone's been on stay-at-home orders for months and months and months and also you know we have what is it like 33 million unemployed americans right now you know including the three of us 100 percent of the people in this room right now (laughs) (laughs) i hate it i hate it okay and so you know everyone rename the show like i i like my pinky hurts because i lay back on the couch and my phone rests on between the knuckles of my pinky and i just scroll through my phone all day and it's such a it's such an awful first world like millennial issue but my pinky hurts my pinky hurts because i keep scrolling through my phone but i like I've, i've noticed that just looking through social media and just like going through news and like I'll click, I'll accidentally click the CNN app. And then all of a sudden my phone just blows up with notifications about, you know, news stories. Thank God I have them turned off otherwise, but it's just, it's, it's mentally just exhausting and draining. And so I've turned away from that and I've focused on hobbies and focused on things that pertain specifically to me because what, John John says on Facebook, who lives 3,000 miles away from me, like, I'm not going to change him. He's not going to change me. So focus on myself right now. And I honestly, since I think it was the right after the third debate, I pretty significantly like I'm, I'm very active on Facebook and like sharing stories and whatnot. But after the third debate, I drastically 
reduce the amount of posts that I made and articles that I shared. And I actually never make just like straight up just like posts of just things that I say. It's always accompanied with an article and me referencing an article. Um, just, but I stopped because one, I knew everyone was going to be so intensely heated heading into the week of election and post election. And two, I just don't have the energy for it right now. And I still don't like, I was just draining. It took it out of me. And I just had to put my focus into me personally because I couldn't handle it anymore. You know, it's important to remember that the most important politics are your local politics, because that's the stuff that you actually have the most control over. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so even though the big news story of the day about whatever the president's doing might upset you, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can comment about that. But the thing that's happening in your neighborhood, you actually can make a difference, you know. So instead of spending an hour watching CNN, spend a half hour watching CNN and spend a half hour volunteering somewhere, you know, go to the soup kitchen, you know, whatever you have to do, whatever your important, uh, you know, thing is in your life, um, because that's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you connect more with your community and it's going to make you realize that there are other more important things out there. Yeah. I think ultimately the thing to remember is that you can't choose your family. You sometimes can't choose the people you're arguing with on Facebook, but you can choose your friends. And so when it becomes too much, like hopefully you have a safe space with your friends. You all have a bottle of wine on standby and like win all this crap. Or a box of wine. Or, or if you're unemployed and have to get Francia because that's just where you're at in life. Uh, and that's okay. Um, like that should be a refuge. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be a lot. We're, we're still in the thick of these debates, I guess, over these votes or whatever is going on. We're not, we're not out of it yet. There's a lot that's going to happen. Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is coming up. Whatever holiday that you celebrate during this time. So make sure that you've got your support group. Got your support alcohol. Or uh, for Dalen, that would be hard root beer, I believe. Oh, yeah. Give me, <laughs> give me that hard root beer every day. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> give yourself some, self, some self-care. Well, yeah, and just don't let, you know, don't let the family table, you know, end up being count the vote, stop the vote, you know, like just yelling back and forth like these like headlines at each other. Yeah, because that's not going to help anyone. It's just going to piss everyone off. You know, if you're going to have a discussion, have it calmly after you've already connected with each other after you've already asked each other about your kids, you know, about your families, you know, about how you're doing, you know, and like. Like get the do the good stuff first, and if you have to talk about the the more heavy stuff later, but don't just yell at each other. I mean, it, that's just so useless. Everyone, take a breath, relax. It's gonna be okay. Um, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, is there anything else uh, y'all wanted to touch base on? Um, no, I mean you're, we're gonna get through it because we have to. There's no can't. You got to get through it. The days are gonna keep coming, so. Everyone hang in there. And also, I try to enjoy the holidays. It's been a really <laughs> shitty year. Like, the holidays can be with yourself and your dog, your friends, your family, just your significant other. Like, try to enjoy it a little bit because God knows we all need a little bit of that. Why don't we close enjoy. today's episode? Everyone give a a book or a movie that when they're feeling stressed, when they're feeling down, they watch just to either let their mind just drift off or to just give them the good, happy feelings. Something that I personally, a movie that I always watch, there's there's two, I guess. 
There's one called Hector and the Search for Happiness with Simon Pegg. <laughs> um, I, it's a, just a really fun, goofy movie of Simon Pegg going out on this journey, this self-fulfilling journey to figure out what is happiness. And it's just really fun and delightful. Um, another one, which is kind of along the same lines, is um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with Ben Stiller. Oh. And he is a uh, like a photo processor at Times Magazine, and they're about to switch to digital. And um, this famous photographer just sent in his his best frame. It's the, it's the you know best photo he's ever taken, but it's not. It, it's cut out of the negative strip, and so he goes on this journey to find the photographer so he can figure out where that picture is. And they're just very uplifting, just enlightening movies that can take your mind out of everything. Yeah, those are great movies. Um, I'm a big fan of of the Walter Mitty movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, for me, um, I mean, there's also there's I'm a big horror movie fan, so mm-hmm. that's always fun to watch a slasher or something like that. <laughs> um, but the, but the thing that actually came to mind was a TV was was TV shows because there you um, go. I'm a big fan of sitcoms. Uh, cheesier the better. The worse the laugh track, the better. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, if it gets too serious, I'll, I'll usually switch it away. <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about watching cheers on here. Um, Frasier, I'm, I'm, I'm rewatching Frasier right now. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of really just goofy sitcoms. that's fun to watch. Um, you know, Simpsons, Futurama, all those are like some of my, I, I'm, those are on just a continuous repeat all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to just, uh, unwind and not, not get so serious all the time. Yeah, Karen, what I'm a do big you fan got? Of, uh, nostalgia. So, me and my box of Franzia are going to either sit down with Harry Potter, Ooh. The Holiday, or uh, Christmas with the Cranks is like <laughs> my entire world. All right, there we go. I like it. Well, I love it. If y'all want to get hold of us, uh, shoot us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can just check us out on. Uh, Facebook, you can check us out on Instagram, where I think there's only like two posts. Uh, but <laughs> make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, leave us a review. Go ahead and leave us five stars on whatever podcast app you use, preferably like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, but whatever you have, just put five stars. Let us know we're great because we are, no matter what. Um, no, really, if we suck, tell us, and uh, we'll just, I don't know, block you. Be nice. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, if you want us to discuss any topics in the future, let us know. Um, our next topic actually is going to be a listener-suggested one, um, which is very exciting. So if there's something that you want us to talk about, let us know, because we will. We very much so will. So tell us, and uh, we'll get to it. Uh, Curtis, Kara, anything you want to say before we go off? Happy holidays or non-holidays, just whatever you you uh, are into. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is. Uh, just be happy, enjoy the time together, and uh, let's get through 2020 together. Ditto. All right, y'all. Take a breather, and we'll talk to y'all in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Social Discord part of the Podcast Without Borders Network. You can get a hold of us by sending us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.